started. All, All right. right. Uh, Go, Gogs. Welcome to Movie the Podcast. That's right, Movie the Podcast. And it is March, and I am still ignorant as to what our actual, what this theme is. Yeah, it doesn't I'm matter because it's my it's, birthday. It's, it's a, grab it's, bag and it's TJ's birthday anyway, so it's like double grab bag. So we should have gotten back on theme for offsetting penalties. Yeah. But <laughs> we were here. And we watched Ghost World. Well, yeah. so, okay, so we did not watch insert, The Last Duel because I picked record I, skip. Yeah, I picked The Last Duel because I've been meaning to watch it for months. And I figured if I picked it on the show, it would force me to watch it. Little did I know, I still can't muster up the effort to watch this movie. So I changed my mind and I changed my pick. He did. <laughs> yeah, with no is, desire. Yeah, which is his right as, you know, Lord. Yeah, so, yeah. So we watched <laughs> Lord. We watched yeah, his, uh, he, he exercised his prima nocta. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying. To, I was trying to think of a way to work in cinema into that, but prima cinema, prima, prima cinema. His uh, kino nocta, kino yeah, nocta. There, there you go. go. That yeah. was good. See, Sean, the wordsmith. This is movie yeah. night. We just had to workshop <laughs> that one. Yeah. Uh, so we, watched, right. uh, we watched. We Ghost watched Ghost World. World. Terry's wig off's Ghost World. Uh, all right, yeah, and we'll get into that. But uh, first of all, I have yeah. a stunning revelation about Ghost World that I will mention on the show. Even though I've seen this movie seventy times. Okay, I, I yeah. can't wait to hear it. Uh, all right, well, what did y'all watch this week? That's called a uh, teaser. Guys, yeah. uh, I watched the last duel. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> I watched it. I started watching it before the audible was called, and then I finished it. And uh, it's not—it's not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. And uh, yeah, but actually, it's not bad. But how long is it? Because it's very long. It's yeah, very like long. a not bad three-hour movie is kind of bad because of the length. So let's talk about let's talk about what's good and what's bad about this film. Um, it's it's a little bloated. Uh, yeah, the hell you the, say a Ridley Scott movie <laughs> that's kind of bloated. So, yeah. <laughs> so it tells the story of what was the last recorded or last official duel in France um, as a means of uh, settling whatever legal disputes in the eyes of God, <laughs> whatever uh, cheese related fucking tort reform they had to do. Um, <laughs> and it, what it, what it, it was France. It was tart reform. Oh, nice. Yeah. They like baking. Um, they also love cheese, though. I mean, okay. tort would also work. Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, I'm good either reform, way because they love port. Anyway, so port la dule, la dule de fromage. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's told. The, the basic story is uh, Matt Damon's character is. Uh, a, uh, a French squire turned knight who is like completely unlikable, and he is like the the heavy armored equivalent of the "you think you're better than me" guy. Um, <laughs> and then his uh, frenemy, in the parlance of our times, is Kylo <laughs> Ren, who is also like a a a, a very seasoned uh, battler and. Duelist? I mean, like they're out in the they're out in the battlefield together a lot, oh, okay. and getting it done. But like every all the all the chips seem to fall his way, and he's he's earned the favor of an incredibly femme, but at the same time incredibly straight Ben Affleck. Oh, I'm who already like, bored. Who is yeah. the ruler of this region of France? So okay. What, so what boils down to is Matt Damon's got a huge chip on his shoulder because he keeps thinking he's getting screwed at every you know. 
instance, uh, he marries his, his wife and kid had died. He marries off the daughter of a traitor to like get lands and title and hopefully get an heir. Oh. Kylo Ren's just having a great time, just living his life. I thought this movie and was about a rape. It's, like, it revolves around the fact God. that Kylo Ren, <laughs> Kylo Ren uh, is alleged to have raped his wife. And they settle it through this. Uh, dual, like the point baby. of fact, Jordan Peterson told me you cannot rape your own wife. So it's well, a flawed premise already. <laughs> well, this was oh. like, then you raped someone else's wife? Because that's what the premise of this film is. Oh. Last night, God said he was going to get up Vance indoctrinated by Jordan Peterson. So maybe. Yeah. That was maybe kind of, that's what God says. Statement. Clean and, yeah, like so, as an experiment? Yeah, just for fun. Just see how it turns out. <laughs> um, so now, sorry, uh, sorry, Vance. Yeah, you know, whatever. He's, there's a lot to apologize to that kid for. So still good, AJ. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I'll just pick. What's the opposite of Jordan Peterson? I'll just make him watch Hassan Piker. Hassan, yeah, yeah, Hassan. Yeah, Hassan. Um, so then, so your house is this, going to be insufferable. Yeah, it already is. So now. <laughs> Uh, so they go through what happens is the movie basically tells the story from three perspectives from Matt Damon's perspective, from Kylo Ren's perspective, from the wife's perspective. And then you ultimately have this dual, like Kylo Ren's of the opinion that he didn't, that this was consensual. Everyone else is Matt Damon just looks at it in terms of a wrong was done to him. He could really kind of care less about his wife. And then the real tragic story is just the way the wife is treated. And if the, if Matt, Damon, you know, if Matt Damon is to lose this trial by combat, his wife will be shorn, tied to a post, and burned alive for heresy or perjury or something. So look out, perjurists. Uh, France coming for you. And I won't spoil it, I guess. I don't know if he wants to watch it, but that, nope. that's the premise of the movie. Um, the I'll say this. Rashomon. The French, the French Rashomon. French Rashomon. Le Rashomon. Uh... The, the combat in the movie is really good, and the actual duel at the end is really, really brutal. Like, it's like like that scene in Saving Private Ryan with Mellish oh, times, yeah. times 20. Like, it's right. just, it's like really, like, up close and personal and gruesome. Um, it's like not romantic at all. It's not like... Like this romanticized idea of like knights and chivalry, but this is like gritty and gross. Like this is like I can't think of a. I mean, that's cool. a terrible way to die. You know, it's, um, it's funny until you just said that just now. I thought this movie was about like a pistol duel, like no. pistols at dawn thing. No, they start mounted on horseback with lances, and they work their way down to. It ends with daggers. Oh, that sucks even worse. Yeah. Um, no way, man. A knight's tale rocks. That's all about. Duels and jousting. So, yeah, uh, this is a knight's tale. This is not. Um, and and listener Anthony was out with us last night, and he said that if you take the middle of the movie out, <laughs> it's a good movie because the middle of the movie kind of undoes the movie. And I was going back and looking at it. I don't think it really does because there's the middle of the movie is burn, Kylo Anthony. Ren's perspective. Yeah, suck it, Anthony. He didn't have the balls to tell you this last night. That's right. <laughs> tell you via podcast. No, 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 no. Because I, 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 I went back and I, I rewatched the middle again. No, you just wanted everybody really to know he was wrong, not just him. You were too dedicated to some of this stuff, my friend. <laughs> you wouldn't I mean, rewatch part like, of a movie you already didn't like. Well, I, 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 I thought, because I thought, I saw his point. I was like, well, let me see that one more time. And then after like reviewing it, 
So here's the deal, right? You are there's you are good of... because there's movies I've fallen asleep during and like I'll figure out what's going on from the context when the guys talk. Yeah. <laughs> well there's there's this weird there's this weird thing that happens throughout the movie, at least in one or two prior scenes, where there's like I can't think of a better way to describe it, and I don't know if this was just what happened in the times, but some something akin to consensual rape, where like the women that they were like the women that they were having sex with would like put on like sort of a oh no please don't, but it was I guess it was all okay or something, and he thought that was happening, and in his version of the past, that's what experienced, but then in the real version, that is not what happened. Um, or at least in the version, her version of the story, uh, that's not what happened. And so Anthony's point was the movie would carry a lot more gravitas or a lot more weight in the end if it was really unknown if Kylo Ren was guilty or not. And I guess you could still make that argument, but the whole process is so creepy that it's like Kylo Ren's character is kind of a creep no matter how you slice it. Everyone's kind of utterly unlikable in the movie except for the poor woman and no one cares, uh, no one gives a shit about her. Like, like conceptually, like from the time. So, is everybody um, taking their French accent out for a walk? No one is. Oh, they use their Boston accents. I got to put this just, whole duel in my rear view. Everybody's just, everybody just telling it like I don't recall. They the only it's like it's like the uh, it's like the television reporters that are suddenly Hispanic when they say their name. Like that's how it. Like it's like perfect English until it gets to Jacques Like it's like. Listen here, give me that horse. I'm Gallagher. Like it's like, <laughs> uh, it's just it's 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 a thing. Watch yeah. the battle sequences. The battle sequences fucking rule. Um, Ridley Scott knows what he's doing there. He knew what he was doing there in Gladiator. Um, but like the rest of it is a little bloated and heavy handed. Um, so it's a Ridley so the, Scott movie from it's after Ridley 1984. Yeah. So it, it's you know, I mean, it's it's not it's not terrible, but it's not worth the. I think it is three. It's not three hours, but it's like an almost three hour runtime. It's it's long. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's. Oh, I also watched Cars three, which is the best Cars movie, and huh. possibly the best Pixar movie. I'm not 100 percent on possibly that. Yet, the best but, movie. Um, Cars yeah. Three is the best Pixar movie. Cars I've never seen it, but I've literally Cars heard no one really, talking really, about it. Cars Three is really good because it's basically uh, Creed but Cars. Huh? And I, I don't know. I really like it. Like it's, it's all like it's maybe not the best Pixar movie, but it's definitely the best Cars movie. And that's oh. all I watched. Sure. Uh, I watched one thing. Uh-oh, one thing. Yeah, oh, I'm no. really, I'm really excited to talk about this because I was tired of having friends weighing me down. I oh. watched uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home. Yeah. Oh boy! And I did oh, not oh, wait, like wait, it, I... like Don't almost like at all. You didn't like it at all. There's like a half an hour of a movie I like in this, right? So let me talk. I'm going to spoil this too because I think I'm the last person to see it, like on Earth. So, yeah. okay. Um, I think there is a interesting movie and actually a very good movie in here about like the lengths we'll go to for revenge, which isn't like a super novel idea. But like the the Peter versus Norman and like Peter getting like more and more vicious, like which is, I think, like a third or fourth plot of this movie, I think is really interesting. Like, I think it's a really cool scene where he's up on top of Norman, just beating the piss out of him in the hallway and the power bomb and all that. shit's good. And then uh, the the penultimate scene, I guess, where they're out having their fight 
even though I don't think that fight's framed particularly well, but like where he's just punching the piss out of him. Yeah. Um, and I like the De La Soul song in the credits. I thought that was fun because I like that song. But, um, Christ, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think one of the cool things about Spider-Man as a character, and I think they did this pretty well in the first movie, is that you can tell these kind of like street level stories uh, in this gigantic universe. And then, yeah, he can get tied up with the Avengers and all that other shit. But there's just like this movie's so for the movie's problem isn't even its length because it feels so overstuffed. Like it feels like three movies crammed into one. Um, I'm going to put this out there on Front Street, and this is just my opinion. Uh, Doctor Strange is like the worst thing that happened to this series of movies because like wow. once you introduce magic, it just undoes everything. And now I'm just spending the entire movie wondering why they can't just magic their way out of it. So like they introduce some, some first of all, the premise that they can't get into school because they're friends with Spider-Man is fucking stupid. Like it's a terrible premise. Um, um, that like they bring in this magic spell and he's getting confused because Peter's talking too much and then we have to explain why he can't just magic it. It's like, hey, how can we bring all these people in here? I don't know, some magic bullshit. Well, how come you can't reverse it? I don't know, some other magic bullshit. And then they have to go to like an astral plane where, and this is like a problem that like new Star Trek has too. I know it's gonna be a weird, I'm kind of all over the place with this, where Peter just goes, oh, magic is just geometry. Uh, pi R squared, the Fibonacci sequence, and then banishes Doctor Strange because they got to get him out of the movie. Like, mm. it's not good. Like, it, like the whole, like, oh, the, you know, Siberia's portal opened through and snowed in the fucking Sanctum Santorum. Like, that's funny. But, like, can't we just magic it back out? Like, why are we dealing with this snow in here? This doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And, like, I know that these movies are products, right? Like, I get that they are there to further the product, but, like, it used to be like sometimes moves are products for shit you can buy, but now they're just products for other movies that they want you to see. And the idea that we have to introduce this multiverse just so they can explain why Patrick Stewart is in this movie, even though he was in another movie. Like, am I going to get four movies about why Chris Evans was the human torch in a different movie? And now he's Captain America. Like it's unnecessary. I just kind of wanted it to be a Spider-Man movie. And they got to cram so much shit into it. And the fucking banter with like the, oh, I want a burrito. Can you get a burrito? We have a burrito. And Jamie Foxx gets like a personality transplant somehow where he goes from being like weirdo fucking um, Max to like just being Jamie Foxx yeah, for he was, some reason. He was just Jamie Foxx. <laughs> I, think then, I, like, I think they're trying to distance themselves from Amazing Spider-Man 2 as much as possible. And like Andrew Garfield's fun for a second, but then he just comes across like a mental patient or he's just like crying and laughing and the tones all over the place. And I just like it again, it just felt like a bridge to Dr. It, it felt like a bridge to a Dr. Strange movie. And now we got to get this Dr. Strange movie, which I didn't know if this is in the theatrical or just in this version that the post credit stinger is just a trailer for the Dr. Strange movie. Is that right? Yeah, that was like, that it was like that in the theater sucks. Like, I don't know, man. I just like, I like Tom Holland. I like Zendaya. I think they, they're cute and they have good chemistry together. Like I think Willem Dafoe's good in the movie and a movie just about them. Like, it, like you don't need all the magic bullshit to get Willem Dafoe in the movie. Just give me science bullshit. Like, it's basically magic. But at least there's some kind of rules. But with Doctor Strange, it's like it's the same problem that you have in a lot of those big event comics where it's just like you've got this deus ex machina floating around. 
that you have to get rid of until you need him at the very end. And of all the like Spider-Man stories you can adapt, like, I mean, there's Craven's Last Hunt, you could do 2099. Like, I'm a big fan of Rain. Like, I don't hate Spider-Man at all. And uh, I, I think I've, I don't know if I've said on the show, but I've definitely said it to TJ that I think Spider-Man reigns better than the Dark Knight Returns. Like, I love that story. But they yeah, choose to adapt one more day, sort of, which is like one of the least well-received Spider-Man stories, I think, ever. Does anybody like one more day? No, I've no never one read it. Yeah. Well, the yeah. plot, the the it's one more day is like kind of. He wants to get May back, so he uh, makes a deal with Mephisto to get May back, but they have to erase his marriage. Yeah, and oh. and and it's the same deal where he right before one more day, he during Civil War he gave out his identity, so everybody knew that he was <laughs> Peter Parker, Spider Man. So like he with the one more day thing. It erased uh, the marriage, and it also erased everyone knowing who he was, who Spider-Man was. And then the the thing I found like the grossest, and I, I didn't see the second movie, so maybe there's context for this that I don't get. But when he gets his apartment to end, and he just puts the Emperor Palpatine Lego figure in it, it's like, why don't you just have fucking Yoda in the movie? Well, that's, that's a callback. Call that that's a callback from the first movie because... from the Empire Strikes Back thing. No, the they he gave him. Um, they I only know this because I watched uh, what's Homecoming like recently, but they build him and and Ned build a big Lego Death Star and they yeah. put that figure on okay. top of the Death Star. So it's but a like, callback to the movie. Gotcha. But we know why it's in the movie, right? Well, yeah. yeah. But I yeah. mean, it's you know, I, I I don't have a problem with it being in the movie because again, like he's you know, it's his, it's a keepsake for his his best friend. That's the yeah. I don't know, man. Like it's just the whole. Well, I'm going to talk to the MIT people and get you in here. It's like, why is this even an issue? Like Pepper Potts couldn't hook him up with a job at whatever Stark become. Like it's just like the whole first hour and ten minutes of the movie. I think is totally superfluous. And then I don't know if Tobey Maguire doesn't have bottom teeth or something anymore. And this isn't a fault <laughs> of the movie, but his face looks real fucking weird. Um, and it's just, uh, I don't know, man. Like, I know Spider-Man's supposed to be funny, but Spider-Man can be serious sometimes. And, like, when the movie is, like, taking itself seriously, I think it's good. When it's just doing, like, when it's in, like, Joss Whedon town, I'm not into it at all, man. Like, I think I'm just out on these movies for right now. I'm still going to watch Shang-Chi because it's not, like, related, I guess, to everything else. But, like, I'm just kind of over it with, with these movies. I'm not trying to be, like, this, like, cape shit asshole. But it's just, like, I just don't think it's a good movie. Like, on its own. So. Nope. I, I loved you boys. And I'm glad we did this <laughs> yeah, show for this I mean, long, that's but... a, you know, that, that's going to be, it's going to be that. Well, I really enjoyed the movie. Um, Join us next week with Anthony. <laughs> no, he hates everything. That's true. As we found out last night. I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I think. I mean, your, your opinion clearly. I mean, I think you raised some valid points. I, I mean, you just, can have you can have your stupid opinion about. <laughs> it. No, no, I'm just kidding. I've proven that no, for I mean, several years that I can have a yeah. stupid opinion. <laughs> but we we'll revisit a black coat's daughter, and then we can just get the stink <laughs> off of Sean, and then we go back to God. No, I mean, like I get it, and like I'm not like. Oh, you guys are stupid for liking it because like everybody in the world likes the movie, and it's not. And I want to like it. Like I like Spider Man. Like I like that shit. It's just like it's just it's just devolved into more fucking like franchise building. Well, I think, and I just like so. It's, just I think it's interesting. It. Is this when like is this the straw that broke the camel's back? Because I mean, the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe has been just the ad for the next movie, right? 
Right, but it, it all felt like it, it was just leading not up so, to something. You know what I yeah. mean? And then so it got to... Still like, we're post-Endgame, so now it's like, can we just like, stop? T- right, tell me a different story. Like, why does everything have to be the fate of the galaxy every time? Like, I love the Daredevil TV show, and that was very small scale. Same thing with The Punisher. Um like, but it's like, like TJ, I didn't see it, but judging from your thing with the Eternals, it's like the galaxy hangs in the balance and this, like the multiverse hangs in the balance. And again, the concept of multiverse is for two reasons. One, because it worked in uh fucking Spider-Verse, Spider-Verse which I, I love, but is also like a very small kind of personal story. And literally it's about the Kingpin trying to bring his wife back. And the other thing is, is so they can like shoehorn the Fox actors into the movie like who gives the fuck just put them in there i don't care like you don't need to like explain why patrick stewart's in this movie to me you know what i mean it's just like okay fine i don't know this is just this has just gotten just too egregious with uh... yeah like just give me a good like just a good spider-man story with just like i said that shit with him and norman i think is really really good and, like, there's a story to tell, and it's like, yeah, bring the other two Spider-Men in somehow, and, like, hey, man, we've been through this before, and, you know, like, you don't want to go down this road, even though they kind of didn't, but you could do something with it. And it's just, like, it's just an excuse to shoehorn all this shit in, and, like, I'm not fucking immune to fan service at all. Like, I remember distinctly getting an erection when in X-Men 3 in the theater when, like, Jamie Madrix's name popped up on a computer, so, like, I do like oh, that yeah, shit. Yeah. It's just like the movie feels cynical. Like the product, like you just see them. Like no, you got to have this in here. No, this has got a bridge to this. No, this has got a bridge to that. Like, like did you get anything from Doctor Strange being in the movie? Like, or did you just want more Spider Man? Like, I liked Doctor Strange in the movie. If I'm I, being honest, I, I, okay. yeah. Right, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Asking. I thought they played well like, off of each other. I, 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 I feel like I like the like sort of. I feel like Doctor Strange's character, I, I mean, to your point with the, you know, he's like this mystical super person that can kind of control time and space, but I feel like he's kind of a fuck up about it still, which sort of makes it work. Like he's not, like he's still, like his 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 cockiness and his like, like, but that's his, that his hubris is his downfall. Like he's, you know, he thinks yeah. he can do these big things and they, and he fucks them up and this sort of, yeah. I and he agree. like he looked at this like almost like a challenge, especially when Wong's like, "Don't fuck with it." Yeah. He's like, yeah, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah," and then I he mean, fucks with it and he fucks it up. Yeah, like how many times is he gonna have to learn that lesson? And two, like, I guess my point is more so not with like the character itself. It's just like just adding magic to this, and like they even kind of lampshade it in the script because everybody else is like, "Are you talking about fucking magic?" Like. Mm-hmm is opening a box that didn't need to be opened. Like, we already have enough, like, science fiction bullshit that, like, we can just... But at least it has some kind of rules. It just mm. feels like with the magic in the MCU, it's like we're making up the... It's like Calvin Ball. It's like we're just making it up as we go because we don't... Like, we didn't take time to actually establish what does what, what can work, what can't work. Like, it's just like, oh, it's just magic, but it doesn't work this time. But it works now. And then it gets did into, you like... Did like, the original Doctor Strange movie, or did you not care for it? I thought it was fine. Like oh, I saw it in the theater. Like I enjoyed it, but it's not a movie I ever went back to. But yeah, like it's I, I, also I didn't mean to revisit it. But I haven't. Yeah, it, it's also kind of at that point like a movie unto itself. Like I know it does have ties, obviously, because they're all tied together. But it's not like it's not like overrunning the fucking like. Uh, He's uh, not the movies. linchpin. No, and now it's like you're stuck with this. Now we're always going to have to explain why Doctor Strange can't intervene. Like they have a hard enough time explaining why like. 
Captain like, Marvel off just planet and, and all like, that shit. Yeah, yeah. And now it's like you've got this guy that can basically do anything, but we have to like establish limits of why he can't just do everything all the time. And I don't know, man. Like I just didn't need it. Fair. Yeah. But again, like I thought, I think Tobe or not Tobe McGuire. I think um, Tom Holland's really good, and and just because they're a couple doesn't mean they have on screen chemistry. Because we've seen a lot of people that are together in real life that are terrible together. But like I yeah. buy them as a couple more than uh, fucking Tobe McGuire and Forehead and uh, uh, Andrew Garfield and um, uh, Emma Emma Redhead Emma, Forehead. Emma, well, they Emma were Star. they they were a couple yeah. too at the time. Yeah, and they so, yeah, and they had yeah, and they had awful chemistry on screen. Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. I just, yeah, but you know. All right. Well, that's it. <laughs> one worst takes of the year. Now I'm. There you scared. go. Uh, all right. Anything else, Sean? No, that was it. Alec. <clears throat> I watched two things. Two things. Two things. Um. The first thing was Sister Act. <laughs> hey. Uh, that movie was a blast. That movie's fun. <laughs> I miss early 90s movies like that with just a ridiculous premise but like they're just like like Gog says a mile wide and an inch deep like there's no depth <laughs> to it whatsoever like I wish they kept making movies like that now so most like, well yeah but most like stupid comedies now are all just based off of another stupid comedy like they rip the entire premise from something else where, like, Sister Act, I guess is probably not wholly original, because similar things have been uh, done before. Is that a pun? Just witness. But, uh... <laughs> wholly original? Yeah. We got it. I got it. Uh, but it, uh... It works. And, like, Whoopi Goldberg back then, like, like knowing what, who she is now, what she does now, it's easy to forget. Like, she had a lot of, like, on-screen presence and charisma yes. back then. <laughs> like, yeah, she now she's... Now. Yeah, she's like just a weird. I don't, she's on the View, right? Yeah. She's weird. the leader of the View. She just Cons- like she denies the, Holocaust and eats hot yeah. chips. Yeah, defends um, defends Roman Polanski and eats hot chips. Yeah. <laughs> but she had a lot of uh, a lot of uh, like juice back then, and like chemistry or like not chemistry. Uh, appeal. She was very. Yeah. Uh, it's easy to see why. People like her. The movie's fun. There's not like Bill Nunn is the cop and he's really good. Harvey Keitel. I forgot that was Bill Nunn. Yeah, yeah. Harvey, Harvey, Ke- Harvey Keitel's the bad guy. He's the bad guy. Um, yeah. The the girl that plays Whoopi's like best friend nun, that's the voice of Peggy Hill. I forget that. Oh, yeah, Kathy and Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dave Maggie Smith is in it. Why did, I think the, why did I think the dad from Clueless was the bad guy in this movie? Dan Hedaya? Because they look it, very. It's not they look guy. and act similar. It's not Fair. Dan Hedaya. Is he in Sister Act 2? I think Dan Hedaya is in Sister Act 2. Back in the mm-hmm. habit? Maybe. I've seen but, this, but Sister Act Sister Act is fun. It's like it's surprisingly fun. Like revisiting. I was like, oh yeah, this movie is I remember watching it when I was a kid. I think it was one of those movies that I probably ended up watching a whole bunch just because it was a movie me and my sister could both agree on. And not fight over like the TV. Right. <laughs> it was Sister, Sister Act, Act like, and Robin Hood. Yeah, like if, if <laughs> there's certain movies on, like we would just sit down and watch them. We wouldn't have to fight over changing the channel or anything like that. Um, 
Yeah, my grandma loved that movie. I watched it a ton. We had it on VHS. It was, it, it, it's also kind of cool to your point that like Whoopi Goldberg's not like um. I mean, tow this a conventionally attractive person, but like she's like kind of sexy in that movie in a weird way. Yeah, like, the, the lounge is scenes. Sexy. The comedy yeah. is very sexy. Yeah, she's yeah she's the like the Reno like D list club lounge singer. Yeah, she's like the, the fifth uh, pointer sister. Shit, I can't remember the name of the club she sings at, but it's some stupid fun, stupid name. But uh, yeah, Sister Act is fun. I would recommend it. I don't think it was that long either. Um, Would you watch it? However, we watched it. It was on Tubi or Crack. It had commercials. It was on one of the one of the commercially ones. Um, And the other thing I watched was Turning Red, the new Pixar. Ooh. The new Pixar movie that came out Friday. I enjoyed it. I'm not going to talk a lot about it because I know Gogs will see it at some point. Um, kind of surprised. I caught glimpses didn't. of it. I my kids watch it a bunch. I still have to watch the whole thing. It was uh, go ahead. It's good. It's fun. It's uh, it's like it's, a it's an a, older I, story from what I picked up on, like an older kid story. Uh, the kids are in like middle school, I think. Um, they're like adolescent, like prepubescent, because it deals with it deals with like adolescence and your body changing. Like, there's a fun, there's like an, a whole allegory with this girl. So this girl, she's Chinese. Her family's Chinese. They live in Toronto. Um, several generations ago in her family, her great 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 great, great grandmother made a deal with like a, a a panda god to give her powers to protect their family from invaders after their grandfather died. So she got these powers and then she passes them on from generation to generation. And like the ki- kids get them and they just kind of show up like at a adolescence. Um, so it's like an allegory for puberty basically. Uh, well, there's a really funny, like funny scene where the girl is like going through this and the mom isn't thinking about the panda change yet. She's thinking she's getting her period. So she keeps bringing her like pads and tampons <laughs> and the girl's like, just look at her like, what, I, what are you like? I don't, I don't need this. I don't even know what this <laughs> is. She's like, I'm just, she's like, I'm just turning into a giant fucking panda. <laughs> um, but it's fun. I enjoyed it, and it's continuing uh, Disney and Pixar's recent legacy of incorporating other cultures, not just Middle America white families. Um, what was uh, Alec, what, what was the short about the dumpling and the grandmother? Do you remember that one? The Pixar one. Bow. Oh, okay, it's really that good. one's really good. I'm pretty sure the woman who directed that is the one who directed this. The one who that's directed sweet. that short directed this movie. That um, short tears your heart out. Like that That's really good. You up. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of those shorts are just as good as the movies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's the one? I Lava You? Like, that one had me in tears oh, I when I that saw one, that. Yeah. I don't think I saw that one. I forget what movie it was with, but it's about a volcano. Okay. A volcano keeps growing and growing and growing, and then it hits, like, the end of its life cycle. And it sings, and then it starts getting smaller and smaller and smaller over time. But like the girl volcano that it loves is getting bigger. But they keep looking for each other, and they keep missing each other. It's really sad. 
It's like fucking ghost story for kids. <laughs> um, oh, it's kind of, <laughs> but it's but it's really like it's really good. I honestly couldn't believe they put that one with a kids movie. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> um, but yeah, that's all I watched. I would rec- I would recommend uh, Turning Red. It was a little long. It was like uh, an hour forty five. Like you could have trimmed some of that out, especially for a kids movie. That's a long time for. It's a long kids movie for little kids yeah. to sit around and keep focused on something, but I guess they're thinking that's at your house too. They only—I don't think it got a theatrical release. It's just—I uh, guess they're yeah, figuring they, if you're at home, you're more likely to be able to, yeah, keep them focused, and, they, and you can shush them and just sit them down yeah. on the couch, or they're gonna watch it thirty times in a row, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, that they'll is... catch every scene at some point. <laughs> yeah, that that one didn't. It wasn't like the. I hate to say they put it out for free because we pay for Disney Plus, right? But they, this wasn't like when they did like Black Widow or the other ones where it's like advanced. You know, you can pay for it to see it now, or you can. This was just. Here's a new yeah, movie. I don't think Here's so. I think I think movie. I think it was just dropped immediately on there. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't think it had a pre-release or anything. It definitely wasn't the like pay advance or early whatever they call it. Early premium access or whatever it was. Yeah, well, like it wasn't. Premium. It wasn't that. Nice. Uh, TJ, uh, I watched one thing. Um, I watched the new Steven Soderbergh uh, straight to HBO Max movie, Kimmy, starring Zoe Kravitz. Um, oh, I wanted to see that. I don't even really know what it's about, but I saw like stills of it. It looked interesting. It's it's pretty good. It's uh it's basically kind of like a modern day version of Rear Rear uh Window. That's oh. that that's the Jimmy Smith yeah. uh Wait, Jimmy Smith. Smith. Disturbia? Jim, Jim Raven's cornerback Jimmy Smith. Yeah. <laughs> Jaguars wide receiver Jimmy Smith. Uh yeah, he was what's his one. name? It wasn't a Jimmy what's his fucking Stewart. Name? Jamie Stewart. Jimmy Stewart, Stewart yeah. No. <laughs> no, but that filthy monkey bit me. But that's the uh, that's the one that Simpsons parodied when yeah, Bart had yeah, with the binoculars, and, yeah. So it's very similar to that in tone. So what it's what it's about is Zoe Kravitz is um, what's the fear of going outside? Agoraphobia. Agoraphobia. Yeah. Agoraphobia. So she's agoraphobic, but this is also during like our current time. So like they make mention of the pandemic and uh, being locked down. But her job is she. Uh, she basically works for like Alexa, like the uh, like everybody has the 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 Kimmy is the is the Alexa of this this world, right? Like it's a, a personal assistant, and she uh, is like a programmer, and she listens to um, like error reports, like people uh, that say like, "Hey, I need uh, toilet paper," but like an error popped up, so she has to listen to all of these reports and then fix the code to make sure it reports right. And then she inadvertently stumbles on what she thinks is like a murder recording like that. The Kimmy picked that's, up on. That's actually a really solid premise. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. that at all. Like, that's it's, pretty good. it's really good. I, I, I really enjoyed it. It's like Steven Soderbergh is just really, really like, he, it's funny to, to me. He's like the most competent director. Like he takes it. Like the movie looks great. It's shot really well. It's like an hour and 29 minutes. It's very quick. I assume he shot it himself like he does most of his movies. Yeah, I believe so. But it looks great. Um, really, at first, I thought the whole movie was going to be from one location because she won't leave her apartment. And it's like a thing. Like, she's like, 
it, it, it's like a plot point in the in the beginning of the movie. So I thought that the whole movie was going to take place from her fucking apartment. And it would be like a, that's that, you know, I'm sure they filmed it. You know, I had to have filmed it during like lockdowns or whatever. So I thought that that was going to be a clever way they got around it. But there is a, I don't want to give too much away, but there is a point where she eventually leaves her apartment. But I really liked it. I thought Zoe Kravitz was really good in it. I thought the plot was really cool. Like, it has a really interesting, like, the ending It kind of comes out of nowhere. But overall, I, I thought it was a really solid movie. Like, I'm glad I watched it. Feels like also, Zoe Kravitz is getting ready to break out pretty huge. Also, Zoe Kravitz has got uh, dyed blue hair and now a bob haircut. So, you know, oh, no. TJ. So yeah. She was like, so yeah. she was like weapons grade like oh, made yeah. a lab for yeah. you basically like, oh point. yeah and then at the end she dyes her hair a different color i'm like oh yeah okay. does she turn into catwoman at the end she doesn't but i was hoping she was she does she does uh she is nude in the film which was Ooh. great so yeah big fan of that but i i really liked it i'd recommend it like it's a fun quick little watch uh and uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm glad I watched it. So yeah, check out Kimmy on HBO. And, and I think it's a like I think it was produced like it's an HBO Max original film. I think I think Soderbergh signed a, like a three or four picture deal because he did a movie like right when COVID started that had Benicio del Toro and I forget who else was in it. But I didn't watch that. It was called like Without a Trace or no, I can't like All the Right Moves or something like that. Something I can't remember, but that came out. I haven't watched that yet. But that was the first part of his deal, and then he made this movie, and I think he's got two more. Um, but it's really excellent. I highly recommend it. And then I was thinking we should do a Steven Soderbergh month, and I was thinking of Septemberberg. I'm not. I'm not mad at it, Steven. I don't know, but with Vedaberg, he's done. You remember trying to watch Haywire? Yeah. Oh God, that's right. Everybody hated Haywire for some reason. I liked Haywire. Oh, allocated. I hated yeah. it. We watched Major League Two instead, and we're all very happy. Yeah, like I'm happy with that. But anyway, uh, so yeah, let's get into uh, what we Ghost World. Well, that's everybody, right? Everybody's went. That's 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 Totos, Los Personas. <laughs> See, Totos, Los Diaz. <laughs> <laughs> Dogs, what happened in Ghost World? So, Ghost World, uh, starring uh, Thor Birch mm-hmm. and Scarlett Johansson. Is this this isn't either of their because Thor Birch was in Thor Birch was in American Mrs. Doubtfire or yeah. something. She, oh, yeah, she was a child actress, like she was in the uh, Hocus Pocus. That yeah. was it, but and like. Then I've, her procedural. This was, she was in American Beauty, which yeah. got like you know that was a very big movie. So, but when she was in Hocus Pocus, her dad wasn't insisting on watching all her nude scenes. That's what I was just about to bring that up. Like, I can't see this woman now without thinking about her parents, like because of well, all those stories. It's like ruined her career. Like, I, yeah. I mean, we'll get into it, but I, I think like she's really good in this movie, and then you find also, out that she, like she's one of the few actresses whose parents I've seen fuck for real. Yeah. for, oh. for yeah, um, charming. But it sucks because, yeah. like, I feel like she was in line for a bunch of projects, like right after this, and like they all got fucking harpooned by her fucking dad. Well, I think she got re- <laughs> she got fired from something as recently as like 2018 because of her father. Like, yeah, it's it's a shame because I I think she's very talented. But what are you gonna do? 
Um, and this wasn't Scarlett Johansson's first role, was it? I don't know if it's her first, but it's definitely she was. She's like, I think she's like seventeen. She's sixteen the, or seventeen in this. Yeah, movie. Very like, young, in, like when she filmed this movie. It's yeah. crazy that her voice is deeper at sixteen than it is now, and her voice is yeah. still pretty deep. Yeah. Um, so the movie opens with uh, basically these two girls have graduated high school. They're getting ready to start. Enid and Rebecca. Enid and Rebecca. Enid is. Thor Birch, Rebecca is Scarlett Johansson, and they're sort of like I don't know I I don't know what my terms would be like alt or whatever. It's a, it's a just, slacker movie, but it's, it's with yeah. girls, so it's weird. <laughs> like it's not something we're used to. The, the first line in the entire movie is "God, what a bunch of retards." <laughs> the, yeah. the first line from Enid, anyway. They're, yeah. they're, they have this. this they they have this hilarious like uh the, the, this kind of sets the tone for the entire movie but like they're at their graduation and it starts off with a speech with this girl in a fucking like halo like a surgical halo or whatever and yeah because she got her neck broke in a car accident she's talking about how like she's very stilted and she's like I don't need drugs or alcohol to enjoy life and then like. She's uh preceded by this weird like TLC for high school esque like rap trio. Yeah, <laughs> are those supposed to be girls from the high school doing this so. like thing? I, I, or they just think, they hired I, them for graduation? I think it's just some weird like yeah, and, and like that's kind of what this movie is like all about. You don't like, just, remember when they would have like the those weird assemblies where they bring in the Christ Power team to teach you not yeah. to smoke and do yo yo tricks or whatever? Yeah, in like, like, yeah. South South Park they had the getting with kids like that yeah 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 but like this was this is their their uh motivational hip-hop empowerment lays down the foundation of like what this movie is about like how the world around like just the everyday world is just fucking odd like it's just everything is all the extras in this movie look weird like everything is kind of off it's it's a heightened reality yeah yeah it's like but but so enid and Rebecca are kind of, they're very, I mean, they're very cynical about everything. Everything sucks. Everything's whatever. They're not, they've got that sort of lens. Like they're cool. Like, I don't know if they think they're cooler than everything or better than everything, but everything is, you know, they, they kind of kick it, whatever the, whatever they're looking at. Right. And they're going to, they've got big plans to move into this, like move into apartment together, go to the city and get, and get out of this, you know, Leave this whole town in every of you. So then, well, they, well, and you find out right away that Enid didn't graduate. She failed. <laughs> she failed a class, so she's got to take a summer summer art class. Right. Yeah. Who's taught by that actress? Looks super familiar, but I it's, can't uh, place Alana Douglas. Douglas, she's been yeah. In a ton of shit. Stir of Echoes. Stir of Echoes is uh, probably what you know her from, but she's been in a ton of stuff. The haircut's throwing you off. Ah, uh, um. So so now it's like basically we're gonna follow them through the summer, and so through the summer they're trying to find an apartment. They're trying to hold down jobs. Enid's going to art class that's like, you know, insufferable because <laughs> the teacher's insufferable and the other students are insufferable. And her, what, what Enid, you know, Enid makes, she's, she's a good artist and she's like draws like stuff that she sees and like observational yeah, she, stuff. She and draws getting, like exactly like Daniel Klaus. Yeah. Is he the guy who wrote, this is based on a graphic novel. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, okay. it, it, interesting and interestingly enough, um, most of those drawings in her journal are done by R. Crumb's son. Uh, oh, yeah. he, he drew most of those. Yeah, because Terry Zwigoff's movie before this was the Crumb documentary, which yeah. is fucking amazing. 
and I guess he had connections like with the Crumb family, so he got his son to do all those drawings. <laughs> Harry and Crumb? It, no, uh, Ro- <laughs> Robert. Robert. <laughs> Crumb. But what's kind of neat too is, and I, I don't, I've always kind of thought that he took a lot of he took a lot of the influence from like Robert Crumb himself because uh, Seymour's record room that we'll talk about later looks literally like R. Crumb's record room from that documentary. Like it looks exactly the same. Yeah. Well, there is one drawing in here that is definitely uh, Klaus, which we'll talk about later in the movie. Oh, is that the the chicken? Yeah, ad? yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Klaus so, and, and Klaus uh, co-wrote the movie too. Like he, what's kind of interesting, like what I think is interesting, is that this movie isn't like a a straight adaptation of the comic. Like it's pretty different from the comic, but at the same time, like you got the original creator involved, so it feels like in the spirit of the comic. Yeah. Like pretty, it's like it's a great adaptation without being like page for page. Yeah, it's not slavish. Like, because I think if I recall correctly, too, like Enid's supposed to be like unattractive, like wholly unattractive in the she's, comic. Yeah, she's she's definitely portrayed as way more ugly than in this movie. Um, yeah. But she she also also the Ghost World comic is very much like it's set up like episodically. Like it's like each story is only like three or four pages long in most cases. So, like, it doesn't lend itself to, like, this film plot where, like, it's a lot of just very short stories. Little vignettes of their summer. Well, because originally Ghost World was put into, Daniel Klaus has this anthology comic that he used to put out called 20th Century 8-Ball. And those were in, Ghost World was in those those little comics. So they were kind of designed. I had no idea it was called 20th Century 8-Ball. I thought it was just called 8-Ball. I didn't know that till literally right now. Yeah, it's 20th Century. And you see some 20th Century 8-Ball comics in the uh, comic book store when they go to it in the movie. Also, uh, this is the, the version that I assume you guys all watch, the Plex version. This is the Criterion transfer. And, like, man, it yeah. looks really good. Like, I have a really yeah. kick-ass Blu-ray uh, Criterion of it. I'm yeah, looking at it right I, now. I bet you do. <laughs> um, so... Anyway, continue, guys. I'm sorry. So they're going through their summer, and they they stumble upon what becomes kind of the major plot point of the movie. Uh, they're just fucking around in a diner, just shitting on whatever, and they they look in the personal ads or whatever because back when people used to, you know, before Reddit or whatever the you know current thing to say I want to get blown is on the internet, and there was an ad that said, "Hey." I, you know, I was the bookish guy in the cardigan. You were the blonde and the whatever. I helped you. I forget what change. It was a misconnection. It was a misconnection. And uh, they were like, oh, we should answer this. And then just like Joan on this poor loser. So they answer it. They send a message like, hey, you should come meet me here at the Wowsville. Wow's 50s <laughs> diner. Wowsville 50s diner. <laughs> Which they followed some presumed Satanists to earlier in the film. And they just watched as uh, Steve Buscemi shows up. And he is just, you know, he just sits there, sadly, for a very long time. And uh, they end up, like, sort of following up with him and following him. And they get, Enid finds a way to kind of intertwine herself into his life. Like, he's selling on the side He's selling like classic vinyl records at like a swap meet, and she kind of goes in there and sort of talks him up. And like over the course of the movie, this sort of friendship blooms between the two of them. And uh, the whole time, it's sort of at this like it's sort of driving a wedge 
uh, between her and Rebecca, and you get, you know, uh, you get this sort of bit where Enid, you know, finds things she likes about his name's Seymour. Yeah. There's yeah. things she likes about Seymour. So this guy, this guy deserves to be happy. He deserves happy. He deserves a girl. Well, it's, it, it's, it's that, but it's also, like, I think the underlying thing here is that Enid will do anything to not follow through with any of her responsibilities. It's just like, I'm devoting myself to whatever this is right now. And so then, just, like, just I got no time for anything time, else. Basically, basically well, yeah. And I also think, like, I think, like, a theme of this movie is, like, it's, like, the two, Enid and Rebecca are, like, growing apart. apart they're, like, growing yeah. in, like, different directions, right? Like, I think, like, in a weird way, like, Enid's kind of scared of, as much as she, like, hates, like, Everything. being a normie and, like, you know, her her school, like, in the very beginning of the movie, right, like, she sees that nerdy kid that looks like a Eugene Levy clone, and she's like, we'll never see that guy again, and Rebecca's like, yeah, who gives a shit? And it's, she's like, no, it's, like, totally sad. Like, she is terrified well, of going into it. Better, it would work well, better if she was ugly, because it's kind of presented that Rebecca has options because she's sort of pretty and more conventionally well, I don't know. I able always, to adapt. I mean, I Scarlett Johansson re- is pretty hot. I yeah, think, like, I, I think in a, in a normal in a normal world, I think people would pick Scarlett Johansson over Thor Birch. I don't, I don't know. I always I always read it as that Rebecca knows who she is, and Enid has no idea, well, that's and that's also, why they're constantly she, she's like. Like uh, Rebecca looks basically the same throughout the entire movie, and Enid looks totally different from scene to scene, depending on yeah. whatever mood she's in. That's very true. That's a good point. I mean, yeah, yeah, but Enid's always trying to like one up, not one up, but like sort of like it's like that establish an um, identity of some sort, like in Bob's Burgers when it's like this is me now, this is me like, now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, this continues to happen. She sort of bonds with so so it's interesting you say that like she's just looking to kill time because i read it more like enid sort of sees like the personality traits of seymour and she's like well these are all my personality traits and these are all the things i like and i think i deserve all this so i'm gonna make sure that this I, happens so that i, know I don't want to wanna, i don't want to like sound like i'm arguing with you but like i don't think enid likes anything or knows what she likes like she doesn't have like defined interests that's why she's always bouncing off of somebody hmm. that's i mean that's fair I'll, I'll 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 buy that i just um so anyway she takes her latest project is seymour right yeah and she sticks with this until she's actually able to hook him up but it turns out that the person that actually he wrote that ad for the person, the actual woman, the actual misconnection presents herself. And then, so Seymour goes on like a series of like bad dates and you get to have the blues hammer bit, which oh is hilarious. Um, credited, credited as blues hammer. I, 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 I have wanted to track down the blues hammer band for ever since I've seen this movie. Cause they're not credited as four individual actors. They are literally just credited as blues, blues hammer. hammer. <laughs> it's really like, down south. That fucking that that line reading that that woman gives, where she's like, "Well, if you like authentic blues, like you gotta yeah. check out Blues Hammer. They're great." <laughs> and so, and like Seymour, so I think it needs to be explained. Like Seymour is like, and I think I think a lot of this hits close to home because Seymour's kind of like us. Like he's very into what he's autistic, into, but he's into what he's into to sort of to his own detriment, where he can't. Yeah. He's not well, going to well, compromise the fact that he knows what he's talking about. But he, but he also knows that 
he sucks, which leads to like one of my favorite lines in film history where it's you know, it's like we just gotta find somebody that like that shares your interest. He's like, Why yeah, would I, I want somebody that shares my interest? I hate my interests. <laughs> yeah, he's super self aware. Well see, I think that's the other thing, right? Like I feel like as I'm watching the movie, I feel like he's like he's all the warning lights for Enid about like what her life could be. And she's trying, that's why, that's how I read it was like her trying Crazy, to correct. Like, Go ahead. Cause I know you, you've seen it a bunch of times and I've seen it a bunch of times and we have like, have like some different reads on it, but I wouldn't like say that either of them are wrong. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy. Like how this can be interpreted so many different well, I think, ways. I think it probably, I mean like, I think it's, you know, it's probably just from where we, maybe want it to go like i yeah. want it to not be as cynical like i want it to be but it's probably well, not it probably is as cynical as it actually is well it might not it be appears. because i don't want to i i will get to it because there's something like important that happens at the end that like i think i was actually totally wrong about for the last 10 years okay so uh, yeah i want to talk about the end too. i tried to talk about it last night but tj shut me up and then we drank more yeah, right. so as i should uh, the movie, con- the movie yeah, continues. he made he made you <laughs> drink more whiskey yeah um so the movie continues and like so rebecca is getting more and more pissed off with the fact that like enid is like she's like what i guess rebecca's used to the point like the idea that enid gets projects and she's like why is this project taking so long like why aren't you hanging out with me so their right. rift continues to drive enid gets like fired from jobs and rebecca's like how can you not just hold down a job like we have plans like I need you to be. I need you also, to. Also, how did how did Becca? How does Becca got rent a fucking apartment working as a barista? Like, oh, well, I mean, it was a different time. Remember man. the nineties? Can, can I bring up a weird nineties cultural touchstone real quick? I know this is going sure. long now. It's probably mad. But her boss at the movie theater was in an MTV yeah. original series yeah. about a fake boy band. I remember he was, yeah. like, the thuggish one. Yeah. Okay. That guy's uh, sort of an angular nightmare. So then we keep going and. Uh, eventually it gets revealed so during this whole this is a key point, over the course of the art program, Enid's trying to find a way to connect with this art teacher, she finds out that uh, Seymour's employer, Cook's Chicken used to be uh, called Coon's Chicken which had this incredibly racist ad campaign and she uh, which, which steals- by the way is, is real the Coon's Chicken Inn is real that's yeah. all, that's not like fake for the movie, that's a real thing now, well, one of those drawings in the book is 1,000% a Dan Klaus original, and it is lovingly rendered, like, a perfect drawing of the thing. But, so the whole thing about cooks changing changing the cooks, and that, that part's added for the movie, but, like, Coon's Chicken Inn, and that image that they use that, that, that gets Seymour in trouble, that's real. Like, that's all... I didn't know. I always thought it was just, like, a veiled Sambo's reference, like the no, Sambo's well, restaurant. I looked it up. I looked it up while I was watching it this time. Oh, sure. and yeah, sure enough, it's re- it was a real chicken. It was a real restaurant and everything. So, so they so she borrows this piece of like actually shock art from like that represented the old uh, logo. She turns it in. She says found art. This connects with her like dingbat art teacher. So it gets it gets displayed at this like local gallery. And then, as a result, like Enid gets offered like a ch- like a chance, a scholarship to be go uh, to go to art school, and it's like, okay, well, maybe there's a maybe she's found you know a way out that she finds acceptable, right? Right, and but she doesn't want to actually get out. Well, she doesn't want that. Well, she doesn't want to actually get out until Seymour seems like happy-ish with his girlfriend. Like Seymour's clearly making compromises. Uh, Enid doesn't like the fact that she's effectively been cut out of Seymour's life. 
she ends up like she ends up basically sort of screwing out like screwing him literally and then yeah ruining his relationship because now Seymour's got like hope even though it's uh you know kind of a groomer preternatural sort of situation uh and since she's like, well, now I need to get out. So now I need to go to art school. And then there's this huge controversy because this piece of art that she displayed causes a big like uproar and her scholarship gets revoked. And then on top of that, Seymour's now lost his, the girlfriend he broke up with. He broke up with her. And then he's, I, I don't know. It's not said explicitly, but did he get fired from his yeah, job? Yeah. That was always the way I took it. Yeah. How did you not like the guy, the guy's like, let me see you for a second and he shows him the article in the newspaper so i i would always take it i always took it that he got fired and he, i guess he never says it, but i guess it's implied so he gets fired from his job for having the coons chicken which isn't his fault that they were coons chicken um so i'm a, that's a little upsetting and then he goes on the warpath trying to figure out where enid is because now she's not returning his calls and he shows up at the quick stop or wherever where they like to go and he tries to threaten Brad Renfro, and then this guy Todd, who's only in two scenes and should be in a ton more, uh, <laughs> yeah, Todd's just amazing. like yeah. beats his ass with nunchucks, and he ends up in the hospital. And that's sort of like that. Enid goes to visit him, and sort of confesses, and you, you find out that that I guess Seymour found out through Rebecca that they had fucked with him with the whole misconnection thing, and this was all a joke and whatever. And so Enid sort of shows up and apologizes, and now you've got you're left with Seymour's kind of ruined life. Rebecca's kind of moving on on her own. Enid is now out of all options, and then we get to the end of the movie, which I think we all would like to talk about because Enid's finally like, "I want to get out of town. Yeah. I want to. You know, I want to run away." And there's this bus stop that they keep showing in the movie where this old man. That they're like, he's a constant. He's here forever. Yeah. This bus doesn't work here anymore. The bus stop says not in service. And the guy finally gets on a bus and leaves. And then she does the same thing. And she takes a bus out of town. And when I, in watching I have, this movie this time, she kills herself, right? Right. That's I've always read this as she commits suicide at the end of this movie. Like, I think it's like, it's not even like subtext. It's super text. But okay. I was looking shit up about the movie. And Dan Klaus is like, what? I don't understand why people think this. I never and thought like, that. You don't to be understand why. Really? I, I never thought that. No. What did you think that was? I, I literally. It's on a bus that doesn't exist. Like, what's your? This plan old here? man has been waiting around to die this whole time, and it's finally Correct. his time. And then she gets on the same bus. Like, you didn't read that that way. I'm shocked. No, no. I just thought. I thought that. I mean, there's a lot of like weird things that happen in the like outside of the frame of this movie, and I just took it as more. Of like magical her. realism kind of well, shit. Kind of. Uh, I just thought I just literally took it. Magic as movie her, ticket, my ass. Her like, I mean, it's more. You know, obviously, it's more of like a metaphorical thing. But her just moving, move, doing what she wanted to do, finally, and moving out and leaving. I didn't really take it as her dying. Oh no, I took it a hundred percent. Yeah, I took it as. But her what dying. did Daniel Klaus say? He, well, it, I, it just said, no, that wasn't the reading for it. Like, And then I guess there was an original like cut of the movie where Seymour kills himself. Oh, God. I'm glad they didn't put that in. No. But, like, yeah, I like the out-of-service bus that doesn't work anymore that picks up the old man who's just been waiting to die and her getting on it, and it comes right away. Like, I always viewed as, like, a and very no like, subtle suicide. Yeah, a very unsubtle suicide reference. But I guess I, me and Goggs were both wrong. I didn't say you're wrong. I, I no, well, wrong. Daniel Klaus said it was wrong, so yeah. like he wrote the fucking thing. But like, I don't think there's anything in the movie that suggests that that's not what's happening. 
Right, like she packs one bag to go away forever. Like that bag is full of suicide pills. Yeah, <laughs> right. she's like, so, yeah, she has no more options. There's nothing left for her. Like it's she even tried to surrender to like the art thing, and that was gone. It's like, what do I got left? And then I'm just so getting the nerds are gone, and my house is gone. <laughs> <laughs> so that's yeah. Ghost World. That's um, Ghost World. And that's yeah. why you get the name Ghost World, because they end up being ghosts at the end. <laughs> well, yeah, because they can't get into heaven because they killed themselves. Yeah. Right. It becomes the heavenly kid. That movie slaps. Um, <laughs> there's so many, like, lines in this movie that I really like. And I think, like, I've watched this movie a hundred times. But, like, one of my favorite, uh, like, subplots of this movie is the art subplot. Because I think it's, it's just funny because... Well, like, Klaus uh, hates art school, right? right. Like, I think he, he's made that abundantly clear. And and Enid is very much like he said this about the comic, so it, I'm sure that it's transitive properties work for the movie. But like Enid really is just a Klaus stand-in, like in a lot yeah. of ways. Um, but I love the fact that like Enid is clearly like a very talented artist. And the beginning of the when she's at that class, the like art teacher just wants to talk about like her stupid movie that she made. And like this, this yeah, her Harmony this, Corinne short film. Yeah, this girl that made like a pile of uh, coat hangers. Like <laughs> it's like like and, and uh, there's a line where you know she uh, she looks at this other ki- the, the, the Gogs insert in the movie. The guy that's like, oh, it's about a guy named the Mutilator. The kid. It's about a guy that kills people with a big old hammer. Like. <laughs> like but she like, like that kid. She compares. She compares that kid's art to Enid's art and she's like yeah well we, we we can do art that's not so serious and not that you know or we can make this clothes hanger thing which really is important like I, <laughs> I love that again, like so much because it's so fucking accurate like I mean I, I think you can definitely read that as Klaus being upset about people like I think she uses the word cartoons right she like, does she does you can, yeah. you can make fun of cartoons it's people. It's his literal. He's just mad because like people don't take comic books seriously, and like yeah, he, you know, he was so mad he subjected everybody to art school confidential, which is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my yeah, life. It's, it's such. It's so disappointing that I think the, a guy that draws comics can't start some shit. The same team that made this movie made Art School Confidential, and it is bad. Well, art School Confidential is literally a one-page short story. Like I don't know why they made that into a film. They should have made. Uh, there's so many other great Daniel Klaus comics, like uh, fucking like a velvet glove cast in iron. I think is it's called. Yeah, it's cool. But anyway, um, but like when Gog, I think Gog said that like Seymour is a lot like us, and it always makes me think of like whenever we say like in media res or some like bullshit film term that we learned yeah. on a podcast. Like I always think of the like it's gotten insipid lamb crack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's even there's that like the party. He has his record guy party where everyone's just like that level of like on the spectrum about records. How, but then how good is like, David Cross? Da- David like, Cross in that oh scene God. is so yeah. good. Hey, but hey, there's a like, spot. You got a green dress. What are you, Irish? Yeah, I bet you're you get, Irish. Like, you get this really What's your interesting name? Melora. Melora. <laughs> Melora. You get this really interesting, like, pers- like sort of like very self aware perspective from. First, I gotta say, Steve Buscemi in this movie is just an absolute triumph. Like he is. Well, just... it's, it's like these guys are so like up their own ass and like like mega virgins that nobody questions why there's children, like yeah. literal children, hanging out with this dude. 
Right, but like he's got the scene where he's like she's like fawning over how great his room is. Is he kidding me? Like I collect things because I can't connect with people, and I'm trying to fill this void. Like I'm like, ouch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, like, like pop, he's like pop Funko. By Funko Pops. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like they had a whole wall full of Funko Pops. I would have thrown myself, you know, off a bridge. So it's 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 the movie's like very interesting and like especially like when you're like. I, I like the way I read the movie, or the way I, like I look at it, like like Seymour feels like he's the end of the road, and he's like all the like I said before, he's all the warning lights for for Enid. Like she's like, no, this is all great. He's like, no, it's not. I thought it was all great. Like he could probably have been Enid in high school, right? Yeah, and like this is how it turns out. And he's kind of like, don't do that to yourself. It's like he even says, it's like, what are you talking about? You have potential. You have a future. You've got stuff in front of you. I don't have that anymore. And it's like sort of a, you know, <clears throat> it's a very sad take on it, and and but I think that's sort of the message he's pushing. And then I, the way I read it is that Enid doesn't. She takes that. She she sees the writing on the wall, but doesn't. She she thinks it's already too far gone, and that's oh, sort man. of how I read it. I always took it as Enid is like, well, everybody in this movie is like kind of awful. I think except for Bob Balaban who plays her dad, and uh, oh my Rebecca. god, he's so good in this movie. Like Bob yeah. Balaban, Rebecca's, has, Rebecca's the, awful. There's so many funny lines. Like, like awful, yeah, or she's, she's just worse. like a no. Well, she's awful in that sense that she, she's cruel. Yeah, she's, she's like, cool in the way that, like, kids are, but, like, Enid always read as this kind of, like, emotional parasite. She just latches on to whatever, so because she doesn't have an identity of her own, and she's just kind of killing time. But I feel like, and then but when I, she runs but I never people, read Enid as, like, well, I mean, every time I've watched it, I've never read Enid as, uh, I guess malicious might be the wrong word, but, like, like she didn't, she does it because she's, that's what she does, but she does, I think a lot of Rebecca's actions are done for the sake of cruelty. Uh, I don't know. Like, I always like, uh, maybe I just identify more with Rebecca, but like, yeah, I just, she just like latches on to whatever she can. And once she uses everything up, it's like, oh, I got enough left time to kill myself. Like, I always thought this was like a very cynical movie, but again, that could just be my own personal like leanings. Well, I also, I also read some articles about it afterwards because I was like, is that really? I was like, I was like, I did the same thing. I was like, that's the ending, right? And I read, read yeah. the thing and I read the same thing you did, but the director's yeah. like, that's not what I meant for it to be. But then you read Thor Birch's take. Thor Birch's, I think, is more like what we're thinking. Like she thinks it's a very sad, cynical movie. Yeah. But anyway. A- Alec, what did you think? You haven't really said much. It was fine. And this, yeah. is your- <laughs> and this is your first viewing of it, right, Alec? Correct. First and last, sounds like. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> we Greeks invented democracy. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that line so much. <laughs> You also invented homos. <laughs> there, there's so many fun, like, ni- this movie, um, I think it came out in 1998 or 99. But, like, it, it's, like, one of these things where, and I was talking to you, you guys, Analog, um, about how I'm, I'm at that age now where I'm just nostalgic for things like video stores and yeah. VHS tapes. And, like, this movie has, like, it just reminds me of a time and a place. You know what I mean? Like a lot yeah. of the, like the little things in this movie that aren't even like really, you know, well, just not- the m- movie itself is like in construction nostalgic. Cause they just don't make these like slice of life, like nothing happened in movies that much anymore. Like, or they don't get to this level. Liquor's anymore. pizza is kind of like that. Okay. That's why I liked it so much, but yeah, gotcha. you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. Like this definitely, 
it well you said it a bit at the beginning it's like a slacker style comedy you don't really have that anymore like you don't well, because like the whole culture has been like fucking just like dominated by all this like insane rise and grind entrepreneur bullshit that like the idea of like a slacker is not something that people can really like identify with anymore yeah well, workaholics true. has tried it basically but that's yeah. about it but that was old. that's old now think about yeah, when I, workaholics probably like 10 years old if not and they all had more. jobs they went to every day that's yeah, that is true. <laughs> Wait, let's go back to Alec. Alec, what do you think? No, I mean, there's, like, the characters are all awful. <laughs> like, they're all awful people. Um, there's nothing to, like, latch onto or grab onto that made me care about anybody or give a shit about what happened to any of them. You know what? This is how I can always tell that you're like a naturally good human being because whenever these characters pop up in movies, you're just like, you shut it down immediately. They're just like, who, what is there to hang on to, to to care about any of them or what happens to them when they don't care about what happens to anybody else around them? Like, I don't care. Like, I can see why this is a movie that young TJ would have loved. I wonder if you watched it now for the first time and didn't have 20 years of attachment to it, if you would feel the same way. Because I don't think you would. I think if you saw it now for the first time, you'd be like, this is bullshit. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, I, it's I can't, impossible. I, it's impossible. Yeah, to I actually, can't answer that. Yeah. To but... actually know that. But knowing you as well as I do now, I don't think you would suffer the bullshit in this movie as 41 year old TJ that you did as. But I don't 19 really or 20 year old, however, however, I don't, really, I don't really, I think it's, I mean, first of all, I think it's funny. Like there's like, I think like there's the, it, I genuinely find this movie pretty funny. Like, um, I feel like the only times I laughed at this movie was when, wasn't it Bob Baffarat? When he's trying to connect to her, <laughs> to her to like, she, yeah. she's like laying on the bed and he like, he knocks on the door. He's like, can I come in? I'm coming in. And he comes and he like gently sits down and like pats the bed. And the whole time, like he's like trying to explain things to her and she doesn't say a word. And he's just like, oh, okay, good talk. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. See I, you for dinner. I love, dinner. I love that he has a, ready a, soon. a particular spatula. Spatula. That damn blue spatula. <laughs> <laughs> and I love I, that his, his girlfriend was Terry Gar. Yeah. <laughs> oh. With the hair up and the glasses, I didn't recognize her at first. Yeah. I didn't either. I forget what's her name. Darla? Maxine. Maxine. Mm-hmm. So it's just too cynical for you, Alec. I mean, yeah, and I didn't find it funny, so there wasn't like a, a there wasn't a payoff at all. I just felt sad for sad for Seymour getting catfished. <laughs> yeah. Although he wasn't great himself either, keeping all the racist <laughs> the racist remnants from his company just because yeah. he's probably racist i guess he liked them and he's also kind of a pedophile like which is like not, well, he's not, he, he's not and... kind of a pedophile like, he is now well does it ever explicitly think... say that they're six they're 17 or i like i assume that like or the graduation is partly 18. to like yeah, yeah like you could say that but i mean really like that's we we know what we're talking about here yeah of course and seymour is like it probably 40, right? Like, yeah. or at least, like, yeah, like somewhere around there. Like, even if she is like technically legally an adult, this is a very libertarian interpretation right. of like an adult. What's, yeah. The, yeah. What's the, she's technically, she's 18. 
Yeah. What's what's the uh, what's the joke about minimum wage? Like, if you were legally allowed to go lower, you would. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, let's uh, let's do five knuckle shuffles then. Um, I don't know, Alec. Why not? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give it a three. Oh my god! Like. I, I didn't find the charm in it that uh, that you guys did, but I, I don't want to give it like a zero or a one because I know you love it so much, TJ. Like, <laughs> you can give it whatever you want. You've been drawing pictures from this and posting things about this movie since as long as you've had social media. I do. I have a tattoo of uh, Enid. Uh, you have a tattoo yeah. of a three movie. <laughs> yeah. Did a tattoo a chain reaction? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah there's there's just there was nothing like nothing for me to grab onto that like and I, I'm trying to think of like another movie like kind of like this like some of like I was kind of like it's not, it's not, it's, in this yeah. category like yeah I think Clerks is similar yeah or maybe I, I don't know why but I keep thinking of like the Christopher Guest movies like most of those movies, all the characters are unlikable. Yeah, but the movie's just so fucking funny that it doesn't matter. Well, I think too, like the, uh, to your point, uh, I think those Christopher Guest movies, like the characters are explicitly there to be mocked for how shitty they are, and this movie yeah, they're not. That's they're true. Too. Celebrated. Celebrate yourself. <laughs> point to it. Um. Yeah, Gogs. Uh, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it an eight. Like I, I, I have like I have a lot more history with this movie, and I've you know I was definitely exposed to an earlier time. But it is like I don't know. Yeah, it's I. I, it, I still think it reads you know kind of cynic. It reads very cynical. It's I. I feel. I think I empathize. I, Seymour's not a good dude, but I feel I don't know a great deal of empathy for him in a lot of ways, and then I feel like I feel empathetic for like as like a loser kid in high school, I feel bad for Enid, and I feel bad for kids that sort of feel like that, and like like the outcast kids, so I don't know. Like, my heart kind of bleeds for him a little bit, and I mean, but I didn't but, feel like they were outcast. They were outcast because of themselves. They're, they're outcast they, sort of by their own volition, they, but I think... But they made Enid, themselves outcasts. It's not like... Yeah they were trying to fit in and just couldn't find their niche. Like and, when we see them, they just hate everybody. And yeah, that's and why Enid's, they're by themselves. Enid's like the, like uh, the one super manipulative too. Like she is not like a good person at all. And like the one girl yeah. tries to like a couple of times to, I know it's making a joke about like the end of high school, how everybody's sad and wants to like try to keep in touch or whatever. But she tries a couple of times to connect. And yeah, them, yeah, and they're and they just laugh at her. Yeah, and I don't know if that's like I don't know. I mean, I'm reading you like it's like it's like learnt behavior from like years of just being shit on, and now it's like but whatever. But yeah, I'm Maybe. probably giving I'm, I'm projecting at this point. So, uh, but I still like the movie. There's parts of it I think are really funny. I think the performances are really good. I think Thor Birch is really good in it. I think uh, I think Steve Buscemi is just amazing in it. Uh, like his character is. Yeah, really good. Scarlett Johansson, I think, is good in it, but she's not really, she doesn't really do as much as anyone else in it. So, um, I don't know. It's not like it's not like a like a go to like 
I, I like in the, the slacker comedy world. I think I'm going to be much more towards the Jersey films, like the the Mallrats and the and the Clerks. But I, I like this movie well enough. Apparently, Tora Birch is in uh, The Walking Dead right now. Oh, really? I don't watch that show anymore. I haven't watched it. I thought they were done with it. I thought this was was the last season. I think they're spinning off another show from it coming on. Oh, they are with Maggie and Negan. It's like, oh my God. The Walking Dead. Like they're in New York now, or like they make their way north or something. I think she'd make it like Kate and Alley, where they're both raising their daughters together. God, nothing. Okay, <laughs> I'm out. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sean, but you can't be out because now you gotta give your opinion. Uh, it's a two for me, dog. Um, what? Nice. No, I'm, I'm kidding. It's a nine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just wanted to fuck with oh, PJ. Oh, um, we lost. We lost Alec. He's done. We had enough. Damn. Uh, I don't like. Um, I love movies that are cynical, full of people that are awful, and like, but I don't find them aspirational. Like, I have no sympathy for Enid or really anybody in this movie at all, except for Bob Balaban and maybe to a very small degree, Scarlett Johansson, just because she has like, it's like she's trying at least like she's like, hey, check this out. That scene with the ironing board is so weirdly pointed. I, I guys, love that. Yeah, you yeah. guys remember your first apartment and just being amazed like, hey, look, I got a, I got my like, I'm an adult closet. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, look at, hey, cool, like, I got ground fault interrupters in my fucking uh, <laughs> bathroom outlets. Like, like I get I get Scarlett Johansson again, like, and we were, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I know I was very cruel in high school. Like, I wasn't, like, incredibly oh, popular, yeah. but I was, like, in the same way that we are now, at least witty enough to be, like, super cruel so people wouldn't beat me up. Like, yeah, a yeah. thousand percent. Yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of like that now. I'm just yeah. more compassionate, I think, because I'm an adult. But um, no, like I, I, I again, I don't find them aspirational. But there's a lot of shit with those two that I identify with this movie and like could have ended up certain ways because of it if I didn't meet you know like Gosh, nice can you, people. Can you resend Alec the link? Sure. Um. He said he, oh, please. He said the link is closed. Interesting. Okay. But, um, no, I think this movie, like, is still super funny. Like, it's eminently quotable. And, like, it's another one of those, like, frisky dingo things where it's like, hey, if somebody, you know, I'm a yeah. fucking windsurfing doctor, Maverick Sagittarius, Magic like, <laughs> can we call you Weird Al? Um, I love that. Yeah. I, I, I guess I suppose you could. Yeah. <laughs> I would, I would I, assume so. Yeah, I would assume so. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, no, I think it's, it's like a super witty movie. It, it moves along very well for a movie where nothing really happens. Like it doesn't like get like, and it also doesn't get like excessively maudlin, which a lot of movies like this have a tendency to do where it's just like, there's no s- scene of Enid just like protracted staring off into space somewhere or some kind of like, Oh my God, what is my life? You just kind of get yeah. how depressed she is just from like her actions as opposed to like, there's no diary entry that gets read aloud. None of that yeah. kind of shit. There's no um, voiceover. This movie is like in a worse director's hands would have voiceover all over it. I feel like it screams like there should be voiceover like for a bad filmmaker. And, and thankfully yeah. you're you making this that. nowadays. They would have lots of. Voiceover. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, even then, you know, like it's just like you said, the bad filmmaker. And for a movie about like younger women or girls 
that's written by a man. It doesn't seem like super cringy, like the way that when young girls are written by Diablo Cody, it's super cringy. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, um, yeah, I, I love this movie. Like, I, I'm not going to apologize for it, but like, yeah, it is interesting to wonder like how I would feel about it if I hadn't seen it until like I was 40. Yeah, but I think I would still appreciate the joke construction because like. Again, that shit's very witty. Like, if, if nothing else, like, it's a very witty movie. The, the fucking Blues Hammer thing. I love the it. The real authentic Delta Blues. Like, it's so fucking funny. And, and, the, the, and, the, and the scene immediately before that, when, like, he, it's Seymour going through, like, basically, he well actually is that girl. And it's, yeah. like, the worst fucking thing. He's like, well, you know, it's not, it's not what they were, what he was playing wouldn't traditionally be called blues. It's more well, like ragtime. Yeah, well, like, technically, it's, it's actually a neo noir. And the difference between yeah. that and a regular noir movie, yeah, I get it. Like, yeah, yeah. You're exactly. tell me. Oh, God, I love that. And like the look on her face, that actress, yeah. she's only, she only has like three lines. Like, <laughs> the look on her face when she like has to, like, well, I just, just love like, that as soon as Blues Hammer gets up, she just pops up mid conversation. Like, I fucking love that shit. Also, that sports bar, that scene is is fucking hilarious because everyone just has random team. Like, it's like, yeah, but why would like, they book that guy? Why are they booking John Lee Hooker at that sports bar? Like, also, I appreciate the joke, as, but as I was watching this, I, I never really thought about it before. But like, all Seymour's records are like exceedingly old, right? Like, they're yeah. not like. Fr- so like no. presumably this guy this this black guy that's playing guitar he's like 250 years old. <laughs> like, Every know? time I watch this movie, I'm waiting for him to go up there with the record for the guy to go, I don't know what the fuck that is, man. Get out of here. Like, you know what I mean? Like just to like fucking dunk on him even more. I was surprised there wasn't I, I wouldn't be surprised, I should say, if there is like a cut scene where that happens. Because it seems yeah. weird that they don't they like they don't go back to it. Well, especially that they mention it, yeah. Um yeah. plus I I still feel like Blues Hammer is a spiritual uh, successor or predecessor to Riverboat Shit Hammer. <laughs> so like I do love my hammer bands. Fucking blues uh, hammer. Yeah, no, but like, yeah, it, it, just, just to wrap it up, I like that it's cynical, even though I don't uh fucking agree with it. Yeah. You know, like I just I don't know. Like I, I tend to fall into the bad person. Like I, I get movies about bad people. Like I feel like they're more realistic. <laughs> I don't know, like it's some kind of verisimilitude. Um EJ, you're the only one left, right? Yeah. Um, it's a 10 for me, dog. I fucking love this movie. This is like one of my favorite movies. Um, full stop. I, there's a lot of things that I like about this movie that we wouldn't really touch on, but I love how this movie looks like. I like the shots of just like the, uh, suburban sprawl for lack of a better term. You never know really what time period it takes place in. Yeah. But like, it's, it's one of those things where, I just think, like, I think that it's interesting, like, um, I think that the that Zwigoff and Klaus make an interesting world for these characters to populate, but they never, like, lampshade it. But if you if you watch this movie, every every extra, every character that's not the main characters are, like, very strange. Like, they all look kind of weird. They're all, like, different. And, like, you wouldn't, it's not, again, it's not, in a, in a lesser movie, they would, like, fucking point your fingers at it point their fingers at it and be like check this out check this out and then like other than that not even the extras are weird but like all the situations are weird like like when uh there's a shot where, where uh enid's doing her little yard sale and all the records that that she has that the person's flipping through all weird and like they're strange everything's just kind of often strange you know they have that scene where 
they turn the TV on and it's that weird comedian. Uh, that actually is taken from the comic book. That that's straight from the comic book. But yeah. take my life, please. If he's, if he's so weird, why is he wearing Nikes? That's like all yeah. from the comic. But like I I love that stuff. Like I like I really respect when a movie puts shit like that in there and they don't fucking they, like I feel like nowadays we're constantly in this situation where like everything has to be beaten over your head. And I just like the fact that like the, everyone's just kind of off and weird. Like there's that great scene where they go to the video store and it's just like a fucking it's a drop line, but the guy's looking for fucking Feline oh, eight and a half. Yeah. And the guy's Erotic like trying to drama. <laughs> trying to sell him fucking nine and a half, and a half weeks. weeks. And then like the fucking the guy ad from for uh, the, fucking uh Mulholland Drive, isn't it? Yeah, and he's also in uh he's in a ton of stuff. He's in Twin Peaks season three. Yeah. He's he's in a ton of stuff. Um but the, and also the ad for the movie that they're they're playing is the flower that drank the moon, which is like <laughs> fucking hilarious title to me. Um, I like all the comedy works. Like for me, I I really like I said, I genuinely find it funny. Like when they go to Wowsville and they're playing, they have like the the jukebox at the table and they're just playing like some weird '90s hip hop song. <laughs> they're like, who could forget this hit from the 1950s? Like, I mean, I I think like. You know, Sean, you mentioned it a bit earlier, but like, like I get that they're like bad people, but like I don't know. I guess I see a lot of myself in in the way that they're like mean and kind of hate everything. Because I, I mean, I definitely was like that when I was nineteen, but I'm still kind of like that. Like I make fun of people all the time. Like I'm irritated by the world. In a, like I, I feel like I'm a lot more. I've grown into irritated by the world, but desperately wanting to be a part of it. I mean, kind of, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. see, I relate a lot to Seymour. Like, that fucking scene where he's just screaming at those people because they're going too slow across the road. I mean, that is legitimately me. I've done that. <laughs> that fucking, are you fucking hypnotized? I've said out loud. Like, I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I just, I think all the performances are great. Um, I you know think... what's a, a really great fucking, just real quick, Sure. Like just kind of like solve the whole movie. You're talking about the extras is when his therapist is letting him out the door. The and look she, on her she, face, yeah. and she <laughs> she fucking has that big like exhale. It's like it's yeah. crazy. The the fucking satanists in the diner, like Weird Al. The fucking like the guy that that tries to buy Goofy Gus from Enid's yard sale is wearing like yeah. a cheetah print like jumpsuit. Like it's like all this like again it's. It's just, it just, everyone's just kind of off and weird. And I love that shit. Like it, it actually is a very good, uh, it's a good encapsulation of Daniel Klaus's art style because he does that a lot in his work where he kind of draws people kind of just, he, you know, he's a very good artist, but like he definitely, he can draw something photorealistic, but he, he does a lot of like exaggeration with his cartooning and stuff. And I think that, I think that's what they were going for. And I, I think it's really interesting. Um, I like the, the main theme a lot, the like piano theme that they use in this movie a lot. Like they, they play it uh, several times in the movie. And I think it's a really, it's a nice, simple little piece of music that really fits. Uh, There's not another a, movie we've watched on the show that has that kind of like running piano, like that, like three bars yeah, of the I, piano. Like I, I can't, can't remember. remember what it was. But um, yeah, I, I remember us actually mentioning Ghost World when we saw it. I just can't think yeah. of the movie. But yeah, I love this movie. I uh, I mean, obviously, I had a, a have and will always have a big crush on Thor Birch, uh, girls with short black hair and glasses. I mean, and gigantic a, tits and huge boobs. <laughs> and uh, you know, Scarlett Johansson is Scarlett Johansson. Um, 
she was very young when this came out, but she's basically our age. So I, I chalk it up to being it's it's not that bad. We were what like eighteen when this came out, so yeah, not that bad. Um, but yeah, I, I really love this movie. I've watched this movie a thousand times. I I think this movie is is great. It's it's um, I don't know. I I really I really enjoy it um a lot. And and to to what Sean was saying too about like I think I generally like movies like i think of i think about like my favorite movies and they're all about bad people like i kind of i think that's what i like i think that's what i gravitate towards those movies i mean like right off the top of my head like reservoir dogs i, I love that movie that's a movie i watched a thousand times but all those characters are reprehensible like they're and steve buscemi's in that too yeah. uh i like good times stuff like that like that's not about like g- good people like i don't yeah. know i i don't that's just what i gravitate towards in every uh, able ferrara movie like yeah i think our, our track record on cynical assholes is like pretty well established yeah and i think like i mean i don't see myself as like a bad person but i definitely have like i feel very cynical from time to time so i think i relate to it to a certain extent like not to, not to be like a fucking like one of those like Joe Carr incel people, but like you know what I mean. Like I still have like kind of cynical views on things. Yeah, well, like I think it's it's metamorphed from like just the regular like oh the world is shitty cynical to like the larger political world is shitty is kind of mm-hmm. where I've channeled my cynicism. Yeah, like, absolutely. But yeah. but anyway, you know, to everybody, everybody to each their own. You know, I don't, I don't know. Alec just doesn't like the, my movies. He hated he hated Turbo Kid, which I'm still shocked by. Uh, Maybe he'll have a late uh, turnaround like Gogs did. I still I still just don't understand what, how he didn't like Turbo Kid. I, I don't know. I'll never understand that one. I mean, Bronson he hated all the movies that I love. He hates. Uh, it's 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 not great. Yeah, Bronson's another movie about terrible people. I think that, that's what it is. That it must be what it is. Alex, the moral compass of this. We lost Alec group. again. Yeah, we lost. Well, he, he he only likes movies like that are like made by the Chinese government, where all the heroes are like super virtuous. Yeah, I don't know. But we, you know, whatever. That's you know, why we have a show, so we can have these conversations. Yeah, because when it was just the two of us, it was fucking boring. Like, oh, I love this. Like, oh yeah, this is great. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, well, we have something to talk about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, who's whose pick is it next week? Um, uh, it's minor gods, right? Yeah, if, Sean. If you got something it's cool, I've got. I think I've got one, but I forget if anyone else has seen it. If anyone else has seen it, I was gonna. Well, well here I was gonna pick the night. Go ahead. Go ahead. The night comes for us. No, uh, the oh. night eats the world. Oh, uh, I, I you said to watch it. I haven't watched it. So has yeah. anyone else seen that yet? No. The flower that drank the moon. <laughs> uh, drank the moon. Yeah, I, 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 that that would be my pick. What's the, the name of the what? What's the name of the book and adaptations? Oh God, uh, I, I love it. That it's movie. also got some kind of like ridiculous fucking title. It's like it's like something about lilies, isn't it? Like a, a orchids, white, a white yeah. orchid, yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, if if we're gonna go with like cynical movies, like my choice, I'm just gonna bury the whole fucking show and pick only God forgives. No, oh, don't no. do that. <laughs> oh no, You're doing uh, it. Oh man, this is gonna be brutal. Gogs, you need to rewatch this movie because I think maybe you might like it this time. You've been that talking about a... you're going to rewatch it for a minute. Yeah, no, I need to. I do. I need to revisit it. But oh, this oh be, man! All right, so pound next... Alec into the ground with this. That's the next, plan. Yeah, next week only God forgives. Wow, this is going to yeah. be something. <laughs> um, but poor Alec, maybe he'll like it. 
No fucking chance. It's like yeah. the fucking killing. It's the show's gonna turn into the fucking killing joke, where it's like all it takes is one bad day, and we're gonna <laughs> shit out. Like it's gonna be just like us. Yeah, no, it's oh, gonna man. be. I I bet I I I'll I'll put my I'll put my bets in right now. That movie will receive. If he gives it higher than a two, I'll Venmo you both ten dollars. Like, oh no, I think I'll give it a zero. Yeah. Yeah. If it's, I can't get him to make pick, a, if I can't pick a movie he's gonna like, I'm gonna pick the worst movie that I can think of for him <laughs> to watch. I, I'm surprised you didn't pick like Come and See or something. Uh, no, oh, I almost picked that. Uh, no, I'll pick fucking a uh, Salo. Like, we'll just go like off the fucking reservation. Salo. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Okay. Well, that, only God that, forgives. No, next week, a Serbian film. <laughs> we should have like a, a theme, uh, an atrocities themed month. Atrocity. Oh, Atro- uh, oh, God. And like, I don't get it twisted. Only God forgives is like one of my favorite movies. I'm not fuck- just picking it as a joke. Like, I fucking do love that movie a lot. So do I. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Well, here we go. All right. All right. Well, we'll see you on next... deep waters, baby. We'll see you all next week. Uh, don't oh, forget to eat your own ass. Yeah. All right. Bye bye, right. everybody. Bye. Bye, boys.